Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and uh, today I'm joined by uh, none other than Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Hey, Carlo. And we have a special guest returning, returning co-host, the wandering co-host, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I, I'm uh, wandering the earth like Kane and Master of Kung, Kung Fu. <laughs> podcast podcast uh, an itinerant podcaster <laughs> he just he's got his he's got his uh, little mic in his bindle uh all right and and today we're going to be um just we're going to talk a little bit about a uh a a, a novelette actually uh this is novel at length called the venus effect uh by Vi- violet allen um it first appeared in uh lightspeed magazine uh back in 2016 um and uh so so yeah i, I was really I, I was reminded of this by a um by probably a, a a mutual friend uh in 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 the right good uh, discord who reminded me of this uh ra- i i rather enjoyed this when i read it way back and um i do want to say that uh you know upon reread i i think that it still has what um what really endeared the the story to me um uh you know back then uh so I inflicted this story upon Kurt and Pete, and now we're going to find out what <laughs> what we think. <laughs> uh, inflicted is is me being glib. Uh, I actually invited them, and they were all very kind enough to decide to read this with me. So, um, all right. So, gents, uh, what what do we have? What, what are our general impressions of this story? Um, I I liked it overall. It is admittedly. Uh, it, it is it is a very good example of a type of story that I mostly don't like very much. Um, and I definitely have points where I would have I would have liked for the story to be developed in a different way. And I certainly have like some small criticisms of like different how different things are deployed in it. Um, but but overall, I think it is. It is a pretty smart story and does things that I would like to see stories like this do do more of. And and by stories like this, I, I should say it's a very contemporary, very message oriented um, piece of fiction, uh, although I, I think it's a little bit more subtle in some respects than than a lot of than, than a lot of what annoys me about about message fiction. I'll put that plus i mean you know it, it it probably goes without saying like i'm entirely in agreement with the overall you know politics of the story i i think i i just struggle with message fiction overall all right and pete what do you think 
Okay, um, have either of you read John Varley's short story, uh, The Manhattan Phone Book Abridged? I I recently read that. Um, uh, it, it it was an interesting. Let, let me put it to you this way: it was very interesting. I'm not entirely sure that I I think that we had discussed it way back uh, when when you interviewed me for the uh, for vanishing. Um, and uh i you you'd mentioned sort of like what the what the the reveal or the twist is um which isn't necessarily a a point against or or in favor of anything it's just simply like i was aware of what you know what the structure would be um so it's one of those things where i approached the the story and it's rather short it's like i think it's like within 2000 words or something like that um and and as I was reading it, like I was paying attention to, you know, what was, what the tools were being, what tools were being used. And I think that, uh, yes, you're, you're absolutely correct that it does feel like that type of, um, approach. Uh, I don't know that the, uh, the Varley story, um, is as successful for me, um, as this one was. And, and that might simply be because, um, because of the, the, the sort of the, the recency of, of certain things. So, you know, that, that might be my bias there. Sure. Well, and to be fair, I mean, Varley, uh, Varley could shit on a sheet of paper and I'd eat it. I mean, that's just how it is. I'm a huge fan of the guy, but uh, I mean, I reacted to this in the same way that I reacted to the Manhattan phone book abridged. Um, I found it very meddy, meta, meddy. Um, I found it very gimmicky, but it was powerful and it worked. And at the end of the day, I don't really care what tools you use to get there. If you really get there and this story really got there. I just didn't like the tools. Yeah, I, I think I think we're more or less in agreement in, in agreement, Pete. Like like I I have um I I think my overall criticism and we we can talk about, you know, the contents of of, of the story is is a, a very common one that I typically have about SFF message fiction. And I know that message fiction is like, it's like a contentious term and it's like, well, all fiction is message fiction. Yes. But like there, there's a, there's, there's a certain mode of story writing where I, I think the, the point of the story is, is very tied up with trying to convey a particular message. Um, and I, I, I think it's fair to say that this is one of those stories. Um, I, a common complaint that I have is that I feel like the sci-fi and fan. So the sci-fi and fantasy aspects of SFF message fiction tend to be, in my opinion, a little bit underdeveloped. And I think that that mostly holds true here in my opinion but i think they were better developed than they than they typically are so so like to to, to pete's point like I guess you could say it's less that I don't like the tools. It's more like I see some of the tools that were used and I was like, ah, I wish that tool had been used like a little bit more or like a little bit differently. That's fair. I mean, uh, and, and to be clear, so, so maybe we should, uh, <laughs> maybe I should have, um, put, put the, put the donkey in front of the cart, huh? And talked a little bit about what the, what the story's about, right? Um, so, I mean, we're going to link it in the show notes, uh, but also, um, as you're listening, uh, this story is basically, uh, it starts off as a type of, um, like a more of a contemporary, uh, sort of 
party scene, uh, and you know, with a title, uh, a title that says, you know, Apollo Allen and the girl from Venus. Right. And, uh, so, so, you know, the, the, as the the story progresses, you know, like uh, the 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 protagonist character sees a girl who is uh, dressed in uh, heels that she doesn't seem to be able to really pull off, and uh, she actually manages to. This is a rooftop party, and she manages to sort of like stumble and fall over the edge, uh, and he rushes to try to save her, you know, and notices that she's actually floating in midair and. She reveals that she's an alien and he goes chasing after her and interruption. The, the, you know, like basically the, the character runs, uh, past a cop who he doesn't see. A cop feels threatened, shoots him dead. Uh, and then, you know, we have sort of like, uh, a n- narrative needle scratch where the narrator steps in the, and, you know, says, whoa, wait, this, this, this isn't what's supposed to happen. You know, I was supposed to do this and this and this. And so on and so forth. So basically, uh, we, we get sort of the same ending in, I think it's like eight or nine different sort of snippets of different styles. Something of, like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, something like that. Uh, different styles of sort of science fiction fantasy. There's even a little snippet of a romance. Um, and uh, so basically, you know, the, the entire thing is sort of that's the metafiction. Excuse me. The metafictional aspect is the 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 narrator stepping in and making us aware of you know oh well you know shit you know the you know, breaking the fourth wall and and talking about like how each one of the characters you know is is supposed to be doing other things but they got shot instead you know mm-hmm. um and and i think i think something it's very cannily trying to do which which I do think is very well observed is it feels like it's making a point about exactly what I said about message fiction, you know, and like the presence of quote unquote politics in 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 fiction, because the the point that kind of develops in the story is is that engaging with uh, violence against, you know, violence against black and brown people is is effectively unavoidable um, and that it it encroaches on the story no matter you know how much you might want to to avoid it and you know the 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 author narrator i guess the 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 narrator narrator um goes to greater and greater lengths to try to keep it out of the story and it basically keeps on impinging until ultimately it winds up becoming the whole story and i i do think that that's that's very cleverly and well observed um, and and I like that effect. And I have to say, I think I liked the first story sequence the most of the different like modes. Um, and and I have to wonder if it was an intentional riff on uh, on uh, uh, the beginning of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, because the, there's a few things that felt to me like intentional, like Douglas Adams isms in there. Like, I think. The, there, there's the on the on the one hand, on the second hand, on the other hand, on the third hypothetical hand, I think is specifically like like a construction that the Adams uses uh, yes. a, a, a few times. Um, and and the, I I felt that this er, that that first sequence was the best realized of like the style pastiches, I have to say. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but but uh, good call, Kurt. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I was reading the um, the interview 
Uh, and uh, Alan does mention, uh, she does mention that uh, I believe uh, Hitchhiker's Guide uh, was something that, uh, that, that, that she, she liked to read. Um, if I'm not mistaken, let me, uh, I do want to have that in front of me. I thought I had it in front of me, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, also what, what sort of really, um, worked for me in that sense of, you know, sort of like, uh, insinuating, uh, the, the, the message of, you know, behind the fiction, um, was also like, uh, the use of like strike through to make it more, as you said, more respectable, you know, like, like, oh, he's not carrying a gun. He's carrying a, uh, what, what was the phrase? It's something it, like, it, that. it was like, it was like a completely non weapon like object or something. I, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I, I did really like the part where, where like parts of the story have been crossed out. Like, like there's, there's parts where, um, uh, Apollo Allen like reacts, you know, like reasonably to the police making unreasonable demands to him. And like the, the, the author effect, you know, increasingly crosses those out so that he's like increasingly like, like respectful at not, not respectful, like, 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 uh, like non-confrontational. Yeah. 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 Like, like, like I'm trying to diffuse the situation. Like, like, hello officer, sir. Yes, absolutely. You know, in, in, instead of like pointing out the, the, the very obviously shitty way that he's been treated, that, that he's, he's being treated. And um, I thought that that was, you know, I, I liked that gimmick a lot. Actually. I, I, I thought that that was probably one of the best uh, used like metafictional um, tools in, in the story. Yeah. yeah the I, one I, I liked. I mean, it's the one that really hit me, I guess I should say. I think, I think that, yeah, like, like, I, I think that also it, it, um, you know, it, it packs, it packs a lot of, uh, punch to it, mainly because you start seeing how the author, who may or may not necessarily be the narrator, right, um, is trying to also make themselves sort of fit into, these you know traditional quote unquote um sort of story structures and 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 pastiches and whatnot and uh you know and and that's sort of you know it it as someone who likes to create uh, that that is you know self editing and making sure that you're not you know just sort of like going uh, going along to get along type of uh doing get along to uh, get along wait no shit uh anyway doing writing so that you'll fit in with the trend or what have you and not ruffle any feathers well then that's that's not really you know you're not really being that true to yourself or perhaps the story yeah and i think that that comes through so i i i think that that aspect came through better as the piece went on because the first i'll be totally honest the first like author voice interruption like i kind of rolled my eyes at not because it's necessarily like badly done but because it's a very common um uh tool i i guess that that a lot of authors try to use early on and is usually pretty annoying when it crops up, like I've definitely read, you know, a fair number of, you know, like fiction submissions that that kind of immediately go 
metafictional in terms of like, well, let's have the author as a character. And it's just, it's, it's, it's usually very poorly done. Um, and it felt a little bit awkward initially, but I think as the story went on, it, it became a more developed voice that I, I thought worked a lot better by the time it was, it was done. I, I, I think. Skulls yeah. and yeah. red shirts. <laughs> I love, Pete, I have to say, I love these interjections where it's just like you just say tosses like, tosses like, like a bomb like a into name. the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying like a like a Manchurian candidate co- code name, like Scalzi red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> the Joker is in the pepper grinder. Over. Should we explain? Uh, you're you're talking about uh, the the premise behind red shirts? No, the premise behind me being a a, a monosyllabic weirdo. <laughs> oh, th- th- sure. I guess we could show them a little bit more of the um, the incredible magic, the <laughs> podcasting magic Go, that happens behind the scenes. Behind the curtain, come come this way if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, and, and much and much like the Wizard of Oz, um, you know, uh, you know, everyone needed something. Uh, Pete today uh, actually needed his headphones. Which he left behind and at at work, and you said that they're having a bomb, like a bomb scare or something. <laughs> I I think it's a bomb threat. It could just be like a lone nut employee who's threatened to burn the place down. I, I'm a little vague on the whole thing. The point is, I can't go to work and get my headphones. They're very clear on that, and so <laughs> I've been trying to use alternatives. Um, apparently. My my Bluetooth is too cool to attach to my computer, but will to my phone. And Chrome is too cool to have a good version on my phone. So, like, we're down to me muting when I'm not talking. And I, if I have to be silent when I'm not talking, actually, I guess that's the normal state of things. But you know what I mean? It's weird and awkward. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I, I we we could have waited for you to to you know sort of devise some sort of Rube Goldberg contraption that <laughs> finally you know you get some threw, magnets and some coils and build yeah, yeah build your it, like learn how to make like a you know a a it, simple speaker. You, 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 you're, you're actually connected through like your smart dishwasher somehow. Uh, and that finally it, it, you're able to connect without uh, any feedback. Um, but yeah, but yeah uh, j- 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 listeners out there, uh, know that, uh, we're not trying to suppress Pete or, you know, sort of like mute him or anything like that. He's doing that himself. The fat man walks alone. <laughs> I swear to God, all of these phrases sound like uh, like uh, like mafia code words. You know, the spotted cuckoo bird flies backwards. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's why Pete was being so brief. Although Pete, like, you don't have to. You can, you know, you can talk. It's it's we, fine. We can, you know, we can grant you the floor. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I'm fine with muting myself when you're talking, so that I'm not in the background going, "Hello, hello, hello." Well, um, I'll take one stab at it if that's all right. Then um, I said, "Scalzi's red shirts," and what I meant by that is, um, Scalzi, uh, who is uh, not a friend of the pod, as far as I can tell. I, I, I don't think he's a mortal en- enemy or anything, but I, I don't think I, I, th- I think we all acknowledge him as a successful author while not particularly enjoying his work. 
Uh, I don't think that's unfair. And he wrote a book called Red Shirts, which combined Star Trek fandom and um, just uh, just skull fucking the fourth wall. I mean, he was so into crossing the line between um, entertainment and real life and and how authors could get out of that. And like, okay, that's that's wish fulfillment of a of a very natural kind if you grew up as a as a Star Trek fan. But as a reader, it's just um, like there's no word for it but masturbatory. And like that is the danger of this kind of writing. Like when you get meta and the author is in the story, you know, trying trying to to muck around with things visibly, it it can be a jerk off session. And to be clear, that is not the case in this story. I was very scared it was going to be, but that is not the case. I think this this story went in a brave direction but these tools are often used for bad things it, yes it is a it is a gift <laughs> boromir holding up uh the uh the uh, italics button in uh, Microsoft Word. It is a gift. We can use this. <laughs> or no, I, I guess it should properly be uh, be um, underlining. Which which here's a little digression. Um, did did you know that the origin of underlining was as typesetting shorthand for text that should be in italics because it's really hard to write in italics. Mm-hmm. So when something was meant to be um, italicized in a manuscript it would be underlined so actually having underlined text to do emphasis which is mostly died out now mostly thanks to the internet using underlining as a shorthand for a hyperlink and so it's confusing when you see underlined text like you're i i know that you know this carlo because this mm-hmm. is like this is like a big uh, like accessibility thing you're not supposed to use underlined text um because it, it looks like a link um and so thankfully it has gone away but but using underlines for for emphasis is uh on syllable no on um is uh is is debased <laughs> you shouldn't do it it's bad <laughs> <laughs> well i i was going to mention that uh i knew it because i also um re- yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna you know not, not that this should be a surprise to anyone out there but uh, i i learned how to write on a keyboard on an ibm selectric so mm, yes, I had I had a Selectric. It came in a big briefcase, um, and when you plugged it in, it made like a nice hum, which I liked. It 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 did feel like it was uh like like you were powering up like one of the uh, <laughs> one of the uh, uh, what do you call them from uh, Ghostbusters or something, right? <laughs> Just yes, sort of like the proton is packs. This, yes, the proton packs. Uh, yeah, it, it is like is this running on uranium in here? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, so so after the first author interjection, where it kind of goes, what, what what I I did like that it both it both kind of expresses bafflement at like the direction of of the story, but then it also kind of like criticizes like oh like th- like th- that kind of sucked anyway. Like I you know it, it it's it you know the the protagonist was kind of annoying and like it's kind of like a like a tired you know story format. So like let's let's try to do something else. Um, and I, I think the the next one is kind of going for like a very like like hackneyed like forties fifties, um, you know, like Doctor Hero Spaceman type. Uh, it's a, type I think story. 
if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the, the references to the, the, the green team and the red team, uh, it felt very, uh, Flash Gordon y. Yeah, because- oh, yes, you're right. You're right. Because he was a, he was a football player. Yeah. Um, yep. Yes. Yes. Th- thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Um, and, and I thought that this one was a little bit less well, uh, re- realized, but I liked the, the in text editing. Like, I really, I, I had a big laugh um, at the first one of them, which is uh, Apollo Allen um, gets into uh, his his cool sports car and initially says uh, he blasts Rick Ross and it, and Rick Ross is crossed out. And it says a positive, socially conscious rap song about working hard and pulling up one's pants on a stereo. And I, I thought that that was that was a really funny bit. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, that and then and then it's 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 used like a few like a few more times throughout where like he says he says, you know, holy shit initially when there's an explosion and it's changed so he says golly <laughs> well is it, i mean that's also like a weird um you know for for all its uh f- you know problematic uh aspects but but isn't that basically uh, a, a an airplane joke when they when they talk to the two the two guys who can only speak jive yeah yeah, yeah and that's exactly a she and he's like golly <laughs> is the, it's like what the it's it's also very hardy boys which which i always oh, yeah, laugh yeah. at that too at, yeah you know hardy boys type dialogue i'm i'm gonna ramble over in my jalopy to go see chet to drive his speedboat <laughs> well i mean yeah like golly also uh is like the is the word that would be the poster child for like wholesomeness you know it's like golly uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I did, I did chuckle uh, quite a bit at some of the, uh, some of the different uh, crossouts and stuff like that, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, should we, should we read a little bit of the, uh, of the story itself? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that would help because I, I do think that even with the. Um even with the style pastiches, like it does have its own, it does have its own voice, which I think, I think is, is a little bit familiar in terms of like how it's, it's, it's still a fairly popular, uh, I think voice for writing SFF, but, but it feels a little bit more original here. I want to say. So yeah, yeah like I it, it has like a little bit of a ring of authenticity to it. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it's one of those things. I I I think where this is this is an earlier version of a tone that's now very popular in mm-hmm. in SFF, and I like this version better because it still feels a bit more personal. It feels less. Yeah. It feels less pre-digested. I should say. Yeah. Uh, before before we do that, I do believe that Pete wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah. So in the middle of giving getting everything set up so I should watch this uh yeah so we so I could actually participate in this. Um I I have a new decanter which has a little glass sailing ship in it and you pour rum in there and the the the, the ship floats. It's really cool. But the point is I was using it for the first time and I was like screaming at my computer trying to get it to work and pouring myself a drink. And I've been sipping at this drink going, what in the hell is wrong with this thing? And I finally figured it out. This is a 16 ounce glass of rum with a shot of Coke in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you made yourself yeah. a, a, a Coke and rum. <laughs> yes 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 uh it, well you know uh some some 
you know, no, no judgment, Pete. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the weekends are like that. I won't uh, lie. It's good. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you think, uh, uh, Kirk, maybe just at the beginning, maybe a little bit or, or right where it, uh, breaks, uh, the fourth wall. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think maybe, yeah. I think I think that's what I'll, yeah I'll give it a couple paragraphs before the the, the break and um, so so you know we, we discussed that this is Apollo Allen at the party um, he's already seen the girl uh, in the in the heels and whatnot um, you know what let me let me read that a little bit um, uh, so she basically she slips over the edge of the the you know, the, the, the roof or whatever, you know, it slips off the roof. Uh, the young woman looks up at Apollo with her face stuck in a frightened grimace as she slowly, slowly descends like a feather in the breeze. She takes off as soon as she hits the ground, stumble running as fast as one can on non-functional shoes. Apollo does not know what has just happened, but he knows that he wants to know. He does not say goodbye to the hostess or his friends or Naomi. He just ghosts, flying down the ladder and down the hall and down the stairs and out the door. And he can just make out a blur in the direction she ran off, and he chases after it. There's a man in a police uniform standing at the corner. Apollo does not see him in the darkness, does not know that he is running toward him. The man in the police uniform draws his weapon and yells for Apollo to stop. Inertia and confusion do not allow Apollo to stop quickly enough. Fearing for his life, the man in the police uniform pulls the trigger of his weapon several times, and the bullets strike Apollo in the chest, doing critical damage to his heart and lungs. He flops to the ground. He is dead now. Uh, what? That wasn't supposed to happen. Apollo was supposed to chase the girl alien and have some romantically charged adventures fighting evil aliens, and then, at the end, she was going to go back to her home planet and was going to be sad. Who was that guy? That's weird, right? That's not supposed to happen, right? Dudes aren't supposed to just pop off and end stories out of nowhere. I guess, to be fair, Brother was running around in the middle of the night acting a fool. That's just asking for trouble. He was a pretty unlikable protagonist, anyway. A petty, horny, pretentious idiot with an almost palpable stink of author surrogacy on him. I'll stop there because you, you get we get the point. Like there is that break in the the voice, right? No, I I, I have to say I, I I did like the next line, which if I may add, I thought I thought was funny. Uh, I I think there was a Kipling quote in there. Who's that <laughs> yeah, for? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I did laugh at that because because like I I I I did. there's a bit of there's definitely a bit of guts involved to like do something that's like a little bit in like like intentionally bad like there were aspects of this that are clearly like intentionally hackneyed and not all of them read as intentionally hackneyed so like there was definitely things where i was like this is a little bit cliche and then the and then the you know the narrator jumps in to be like yeah like this is cliche but it's it's it, it not all of them are so cliche that i was immediately like Okay, this is good. This is being done so that it can be referenced. You know, mm-hmm. some yeah. of them were, but but I, there there was there there were a few that were like subliminally done. I, I would say, and I was kind of like, I was like, well, that was a little bit corny, but you know, maybe it's you know, it's fine if it's only, only one. Or two. Or two. Uh, but but, I, but, I, but it was but funny, it was funny when that was called out. I'd like to double down on that. The, the, the biggest thing that irritated me about normally what happens with the story is I show up full of goodwill and as I get deeper and deeper in, I get more annoyed. And what happened with this story was the opposite. 
Like there was a lot of hackneyed prose. There was a lot of obvious things happening again and again. It was storylines I didn't believe in. But as we got deeper in and I gained a greater understanding of what she was doing, it would it became really clear that she was in on the joke. And I really I want to read her other writing because like one thing she's not listening to this probably but if if she is like she can't do this again like <laughs> you you can't pull this trick again and I want to see what her other writing is like because I suspect it's quite good. She she does have several other uh works uh at light speed uh Pete um uh, I believe that you could probably uh, find them in the in the author link, but uh, but yeah, she's she's got like what one, two, two. three, four, five other stories, as well as some uh, nonfiction uh, reviews and stuff like that. But, well, but, know, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, asking me to read something's a big imposition. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes you, it takes you so long to do it. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, 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 Pete, I, I don't know how how it takes you that long. Are you teaching Chewie to read too? Is that is that what it is? I definitely sh- should. That is a great idea. <laughs> I, I I don't think that Chewie thinks it's a great idea, but that, he'll he'll let you know. I'm sure. So, Anyways, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so. So I do think, like. I mentioned before, I do think that's that the the pastiches are a variable quality. Um which which I think is is kind of fine for, you know, what what it's doing with them. Um I I thought the Flash Gordon one was pretty well done. Um I thought that like the 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 kind of like middle grade like kid story version was was maybe a bit weaker. And some of them are longer than others. Like the very first one is pretty short, which I think is I think is smart because you do want to get to the gimmick like relatively quickly to like like it it would have been annoying if the first one had gone on much longer. Um, mm-hmm. But like I did feel like the the kind of like middle grade story was like maybe a little bit longer than it needed to be. Although there there were there were things that I thought was were were quite good. Like I I. I really liked in the middle grade story, um, the 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 gang of like multicultural gender integrated uh, like <laughs> yeah, the, the, 90s uh, gang members. I, I, yeah, I did was, think uh, that, that was quite good. It was a, a colors of Benetton with knives is the yeah. description, which is just, I, I I honestly I I did a little chef's kiss when I read that because it it really captures exactly what you need to know. Yeah, and I like the gangsters like calling the old guy pops, which is like very like like that's straight out of something like uh like uh like a battery's not included for for instance, where it has those very like stereotypical like late eighties, early nineties gang members. Um Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> very diverse uh gang members somehow, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Why? Um the the style pastiche that really didn't work for me um, was the the one that was kind of superheroes and kind of Power Rangers, um, mm-hmm. and I think I think it was because like it 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 felt like it felt like it it couldn't quite figure out which it wanted to be, um, because it it introduces its or or, or like kind of like a um, uh, what's the like a shonen uh like manga or anime like you know. 
a color coded team. Uh, I'm using the the wrong term. Shonen is not the right word, but but you know it, it it's either it's either like a like like an anime type thing like uh, Ronin Warriors or it's like Power Rangers or like it could be like a superhero team, but it it felt like it like it was kind of wedged between a couple of them, and that that particular pastiche didn't didn't feel quite as strong to me. I felt like well, its sole purpose was for all of the pieces to combine together to be white. And I mean, like this piece isn't subtle, but like that we we, we could have a little more subtlety than that. I think, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, I'm just being pissy. I, honestly, like that's fair, but also the way I was reading it now, uh, you know, in, in, you know, like, what is this, uh, nearly, nearly seven years after it came out or whatever, or no, I'm sorry. It would be six years in, in a month or whatever, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, is that, uh, it, it was addressing like, I don't see color type of commentary where, you know, aren't we all just humans after all? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the, the colors combining to white, which is correct. I mean, that, that's, you know, Sir Isaac Newton sort of uh, showed that th- the opposite is true that white white light is made up of different mm-hmm. colors but but it did feel very much of that sort of um uh, I, I I hate to to bring him up in this, but a uh, very Obama era type of like you know I would have voted him for voted for him for a third mm-hmm. time you know now now here though is where I want to go back to a criticism that I made at the beginning, which is that i th- i I do think that after maybe the first story and to a degree the second one the story you know the the kind of story components or or kind of like abortive stories i did feel like like um i feel like this story might work a little bit better if it were a bit more invested in the style of pastiches that it that that it was doing like i think that the first one the way that she writes it feels very at home in the style and so, like, you are getting a little bit interested in that first one, or at least I was. Like, I, uh, you know, to, to Pete's point, you know, I came into it with goodwill. And even if the story hadn't gone off the rails, I, you know, I was, I was enjoying the direction. And so when it suddenly went that the way that it did, um, you know, with like the death of the main character by police violence, you know, police murder, um, it is jarring, and I, and I think that's good. And then I think this a, a lot of the subsequent ones I think would have been stronger if it felt more invested in the story and not quite so much like, okay, here's the next gimmick that you know is going to to unravel. Now I think you would, as a reader, you would know anyway that it was doing that. But the, there was a part of me that I was reading it, and I was just kind of like, okay, so you know, th- th- this too is going to unravel. So I can't get invested in it at all um but the end result also was like well i still have to read you know 800 words or 600 words or whatever of of a story that i know isn't going anywhere and i think i would have liked it if those stories did try to feel like they were going somewhere and Mm. i i think it maybe would have would have made the story like the sci-fi and fantasy aspects of it feel a little bit more more robust to me while not actually like taking away from what the story was doing. Mm. I mean, um I think I I I know what you mean and I I I think you're you're correct in your in your assessment. Um in the sense that uh, I I do agree with you, but but 
I also, um, you know, when we, we, we were talking a little bit offline about like, you know, sort of like how a lot of, uh, stories will, you know, when they are trying to be by the numbers will usually resort to a certain type of style. Right. Uh, and, and I do feel like, um, that is something that, uh, I mean, this is after all, like a, like a story that has <laughs> eight or nine different other stories with eight or nine different beginnings. So you, you, you do end up getting a little bit of that because a little bit of that fatigue, I guess, uh, in the sense that, you know, you know where it's going. Right. Um, and so I guess maybe for me, um, once I realized what the, what the sort of like the gimmick and, and where the repetition was going to be happening, where the pattern was going to be established, you know, you sort of go through the other, you know, vignettes or, or, or sections and you sort of approach them with good faith, but at the same time, understanding that, you know, what you're, you're supposed to be doing is finding how is this slightly different than the previous one or, or what exactly is the, what are the references that, that sounds awful, but like what, what, are the influences, I should say, that Alan is using in this to create this sort of pastiche or this, um, this, uh, imitation of, of several different other types of properties. And, and I, I think that there's two directions that you can go with that. I think one, you can kind of like take the piss out of them. Um, and, and, and that I think is why the Flash Gordon one is effective because it's very like, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, he won the big game and now he's getting into his cool sports car. And, you know, it's it's like it, it is it is funny unto itself just because that that type of story is like pretty funny. Um, I thought that the kind of I, I thought that the the gender swapped version with um, Apollonia Williams Carter uh, was was pretty funny because um, if, if only because uh, Apollonia kept drinking shots of whiskey. Like throughout the story, <laughs> she has like like five or six shots of whiskey, but to, to, to kind of like show like you know she's like a cool tough woman. You know, it's it's very like it, it's it's so on the nose of like trying to be like you know she's cool and tough, so she's gonna drink a ton of whiskey. Um, I thought was was uh was was pretty funny, but some of the other ones, yeah, kind of like like I wish I wish it had either gone like like more taking the piss out of it or more more sincere with it. I think I think the uh the one that I really chuckled with was the uh the shaft one. That one was funny. Um I, I, I did enjoy that. And I you know, it reminded me of um in particular there's a uh gosh, what what did it remind me of in particular? Um there's uh two films. One is called Black Belt Jones. Um, where he's he's like I I believe he's an undercover cop who uses uh, kung fu to fight uh, dr drug dealers and like cro crooked cops and the mob, um, and that's uh, gosh I forget the actor's name he was in um, he was in in uh, Enter the Dragon too, um, and, and then uh, he was also in a film um, called Three the Hard Way that I believe also had um, what's his name Fred uh, Fred Williamson. I, I believe um, where, you know, it's, it's, it's again, like there's, you know, there's a secretive plot, you know, to destroy the community center and, and, you know, 
poison, you know, like poison the black population of Los Angeles. And it's, it's very like, I, I love riffs on, on kind of like classic black exploitation stuff. So that was definitely, you know, and I, I, I liked the meta commentary again with like the community center and like, well, he has to be like an undercover cop also. And <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, uh, I think you're, you're thinking of uh, Jim Kelly. Is Jim Kelly. Name. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Who yes. is fucking awesome. I have to say um, good, like gr- <laughs> great physical actor, great, great actor in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so let me, let me perhaps, um, take a little turn here. Um, let me take a little turn here and, and say that, uh, you know, this is the type of story that um, I had not seen. I have to admit, I had not seen a lot of uh, in, in stuff like light speed. And um, I don't have any proof of this, but I will offer a little context. So, um, in 2015, uh, now I think now defunct uh, publication Fireside Magazine uh, commissioned uh, what has since become the Black Spec Fic Report. Um, and this was like a sort of like a, a, a an eye or a self criticism of the of the different um, magazines that are publishing science fiction and fantasy today, right? That are still active and so on and so forth. Um, and so one of the things that uh, came out was that, you know, like at the time when it first came out, there was something like is really paltry. It was like, I think I want to say is like four. It was like less than 5% of all stories uh, throughout all magazines had been, you know, basically written by black authors. And uh, in the aftermath of that, uh, of that, first black uh you know black spec fic report coming out there was a uh, i think there was a concerted effort throughout you know the different magazines to try to improve those numbers um and and try to figure out ways to you know like uh either through picking slush readers that were familiar with uh you know with with styles that were not just simply the standard uh sort of uh perhaps even some of the styles that this uh this story sort of mimics and and se- semi parodies right uh lovingly in some cases but not so much in others you know uh and and I do I do wonder if this was one of those stories that you know that was I don't want to say invited, but basically encouraged to be submitted to Lightspeed magazine as a result of that uh, black spec fic report. If so, like, honestly, this, you know, like this is a great example. I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, Oh, and, and, and let me, let me add one thing because, um, you know, like we're probably going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Octavia Butler at some point. Uh, it, it's, it's very difficult not to, uh, she, she really had an influence on, on the, um, on, on the planet, field, right? right? What's that? What, what did she, what, the, what was that? What did you say? She, say? she had an influence on the planet, man. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> Pete's over here, like r- saying stuff like it's a number station, <laughs> just a, drifting in and out, you know? 35 um anyway yeah so so but uh you know i 
you know, Pete, you had you had uh, suggested uh, one of Butler's stories uh, because I, I was interested in in sort of like doing something with you know like a black author, and uh, I I didn't want to fall back on uh, Butler, who you know is sort of she, she's great. Don't get me wrong, but you know she's she wrote stuff back. You know, like in the eighties, early nineties at the at the latest, I believe, right? Um I might be, be super wrong because she 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 died quite a while back. Um so so th- th- not not to not to say that she's not great, it's just simply that, you know, like she is the sort of like the 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 fallback position that a lot of sci-fi people uh, go to, uh, including uh, at the time that the black spec fic report came out, uh, people who said, well, you know, the people in fandom who were just perhaps a little, you know, uh, tone deaf to what was being said, were like, you know, well, Butler uh, is great. This is one of the greats in the end in, in all science fiction and fantasy. And they're not wrong, but you know, we we need we need someone a little bit more recent. Um Pete, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I I I, I, I want to reinforce what you're saying. Like, I like talking about Butler because I think Butler's amazing. And like, she's in the era of authors that I'm most interested in. But there is a danger of talking about her because uh, not only is she good, she's sort of held up as the uh, African-American authors can make it author. And I mean, that's it's. It, it's not fair to her because she's fantastic, but it's it's I'm going to say it. It's tokenism. And that's terrifying. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm pretty sure that she would agree with us as well. You know, like she wouldn't like I let me let me not put words in her mouth. Let me just say that um, uh, in in the aftermath of the Black Spec Fic report in 2015, uh, one of the things that um, that immediately came up was that there were, uh, you know, probably editors in a sc- scrambling to to get people that they ha- already had on their Rolodex uh, to to publish something soon so that they would look, you know, save a little face, right? Uh, I believe one of the people probably solicited was uh, none other than than N.K. Jemison, who, you know, uh, I have. Whatever my issues may have, I may have with her writing itself, um, did have the correct response, which was like, look, I, I, I don't want to be the person you call when you need a black author. Go, go look. There's plenty more of us out there. You know, there's plenty other black authors out there. I can't be your go to. And she was, she's right. She, she did the right thing in that case. Yeah. All right. So uh, regarding this story, um, something we haven't talked about yet is the recurring motif of the Omega question, um, which which I I thought that this was well done um, because initially it comes across as just like a facet of the 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 Flash Gordonism where it's like you know he's come to answer the Omega question, Doctor I forget if it was like it's like Doctor Teclots or something like that. To, to clocks uh, or something, yeah, yeah, um, and and then it, it it recurs a few times, and it just feels like a throwaway repeating part. But then, so the the last the last part of the story 
the narrate the author narrator basically expresses frustration with you know like nothing nothing works trying to avoid like tr- trying to make apollo as inoffensive as 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 possible and trying different genres and styles isn't like isn't isn't working he winds up you know he he or she in one case winds up dead by uh you know police murder in in every story and so the final one uh the the final story basically it, it begins by saying you know like we, you know we like let's let's try to save apollo like what you know like what what can we do um you know and it says you know i i stolen the omega question um and says you know in engage second person present we're going full morrison god forgive us um and which which i i did get a chuckle out of uh <laughs> and then and then it goes you know in in a second person present net narrative where instead of being about um apollo the final story is is about you as essentially the police officer from from the first story and what i thought was interesting about it was you know it it treads a fine line i i think where it does without direct condemnation i would say try to put you in the mind of of the you know the police officer who is going to wind up killing him um and then it says it ends by saying you know you might die, you 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 know you've seen this scenario a million times on on tv you know there's somebody you know r- running towards you you might die you might die you might die and then it ends by saying the omega question is activated who matters which which effectively flips that last part of the story on its head where it's it's directly to me anyway posing the question of like well oh, okay like are you saying having just you know without i would say without immediate judgment portraying the you know the 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 mind frame of the cop saying well you know ultimately who who matters are you saying that the police's fear uh the you know the the police officer's fear you know theoretical fear for their life is more important than apollo's right to not be murdered effectively um and you know what are what is the implicate what is the implication of putting yourself in the police officer's shoes and saying oh well you know he had these reasonable concerns you, you know what 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 does framing the discussion that way um say about how you value apollo's life uh, effectively and i i thought that that was well done because i think it could have very easily come across very trite um, but I think the combination of the combination of the way that that the question is used throughout the story, and the 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 way that it's not brought up until the end, made it in in my opinion a very effective way to end the story. And I think it I think it it made the point it made a different point than I felt like the story was building to in a way that was still surprising on both like a message and a narrative level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought it was, again, I thought it walked a very fine line and, and came off like very well, well executed. And to Pete's point at the beginning, yeah, like it, it, it all, th- that ultimately was what, what won me over was that it went in a direction I wasn't expecting and it went a step beyond 
the most obvious way that the story could have could have resolved. Um, and so I, I thought the ending was was really effective, even apart from, you know, from the point that 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 it was making. Yeah, I and I think you're you're to to perhaps elaborate on that. I feel like th- what really works for me um, is that. Uh, like, like you said, it's established that the Omega question is like a, it's like a narrative device. It's part of like a, a one of the, the, it's part of like the Flash Gordon, uh, story, you know, section or whatever, right? And it, it also comes across as sort of like the, the old dark side, you know, the anti-life equation or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, in, you know, like the, the story is inviting you to hold it as, the the symbol of what it is in the story but also as a direct question like a meta a metafictional question to you as a reader right um and and you know like i do i do also think that um here the the second person present tense <laughs> may god have mercy on us all uh for instance um works well because it's it's it is although you like you said it although it there's no real you know like judgment placed on the on you as the police officer um just the use of second person is implicating you in the story yeah and and how are you you know how are you as a, a character in the story and yourself uh going to answer this question right well i i think i think not not only that but i think it it thinking about this in what was it, was it 2016 or 2015 when it came out uh 2016 thank you thank you um I, pu- putting putting my mind in 2016 terms for a moment uh i'll i'll do my my record scratch you know flashback sequence i think that the ending can also be read as giving let's call them a more liberal um uh re- reader what feels like it's going to be you know a friendly let's all make you know let's all have a beer summit type ending where it's like oh well you know the police officer had had his concerns too you know we're, we're not so different you and i and and then it it kind of i think takes that and and tries to like you know jab you in the guts a little bit with it and i think that you know, knowing knowing our politics, I I initially got like a sinking feeling in my stomach, like the opposite. I was like, oh no, oh no, don't end like that. Don't you know? Don't don't end in in kind of like in the police apology way. But but I think I think if what you were expecting and looking for it to do was to end in that kind of like oh you know let's all make nice way, then I think that this is a very effective way to 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 invert it although i do think it reads differently in 2023 than it would have in you know 2016 when when i think the going conversation uh it, it was was much more in polite society let's let's say mm-hmm. uh it, you know about about saying oh well you know police have a tough job too you know they have very reasonable mm-hmm. concerns so I, I i think it reads differently in 2023 but i think i think it's a very effective inversion of of like you know defying what the reader's expectations especially in 2016 would have been yeah yeah all right um 
I, I guess we could probably, uh, I, I don't know if we have any last thoughts, uh, but if we are, we do have any, uh, this would be the place to, to, to make them. Uh, I, I should have stopped drinking this. i'll have a last thought myself this what we need is more clipper ships in cups (laughs) uh no my my last thoughts are are you know pretty much what i said before i i think i think it it rises above a type of story that i generally dislike there you know and I do still think that it, it would have been a bit stronger with with maybe more use or more investment in the sci-fi and fantasy um, aspects of it. But like, a, a, you know, I, I think that overall the 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 quality of the writing makes me kind of more be like, oh, okay, like this is like it, I don't know, it's the 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 best case s- scenario for this type of story. But it's certainly, I think, a better case scenario than I commonly see it done. And so it gets points from me on on on, on that count, if nothing else. Yeah, I it, it it does feel um I think to to our earlier to to an earlier point that you made, Kurt, it does feel very much like a prototypical um like the 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 origin source for a lot of, you know, like the a lot of the 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 quote message end quote stories that we've read uh more recently right uh it feels like a better version of that that somebody who copied and and didn't really do well enough as they as 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 you know uh, alan pulls off here i and i I think a lot of it comes down again to to define the expectations because i think there's nothing worse than a story that tells you up front like Here's what this story is going to be about and and what it's going to do. And then it just does it and it looks back at you and it's like, eh, pretty good, right? I did what I said I was going to do. And it's like, well, nice, all right. nice trick. Nice trick. <laughs> it's enough for a C plus. Let's say that. Let me let, let me do a kickflip on my skateboard. Check it out. Uh, Pete, you have anything else, man? I do not. <laughs> Salute then. Uh, all right. Well, uh, gents, thanks for for you know, sort of, uh, uh, humoring me and, and reading this story with me. Um, we should probably do, uh, I believe, uh, sometime in February, we should probably do speech sounds. Uh, Pete, you want to come back for that one? Please. I'd enjoy that very much. All right. I've been doing um, speech sounds all night. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Hey, oh, how are, how are you making all these noises? Anyway. <laughs> It's it's called uh, AI prompting, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening in, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoy this story as much as we did, and we'll catch you next time here on Podside. <laughs>